This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. Let's go back to the Soviet Union in the 1950s. There was a terrible hunger for anything that came from West. Anything at all. Doesn't matter what. This is Alexander Jenis, Russian writer and broadcaster. For example, lighter. Can you imagine how important was lighter? American lighter was like treasure. But a lighter is just a lighter. During the Cold War, what many Russians really craved were expressions of creativity and art, much of which came from the West. They wanted Western music. There was, of course, American, Western music. And Western music was incredibly important. They were crazy about jazz. They were crazy about jazz and rock and roll. Of course, Elvis Presley. And it was extremely hard to smuggle in vinyl records that were made in the West. And if a prized album did make it in, ordinary Russians couldn't make copies to sell or trade to their fellow comrades because vinyl, the material itself, was impossibly expensive and scarce. So we didn't have any records. It was I didn't even see records, I think, in my life, Western record, because it was dangerous. Soviet censorship was endless, but so was Russian ingenuity. That's Davia Nelson. She and Nikki Silva are the Kitchen Sisters, and they produce the Radiotopia podcast, Fugitive Waves. So the dissident music counterculture produced bootleg records on anything they could get their hands on. Before the tape recorders, they used X-ray film of your bones. They used used X-ray film of your bones. This is Sergei Khrushchev. And they tape on this the music from the United States or from Europe. So it was muzyka na kostiach, music on the bones. Music on the bones. Rock on ribs, rib rock, skeleton music, bone records. Yes, that Khrushchev. My father was Nikita Khrushchev, the head of the Soviet Union from 1953 to 1964. The beginning of all this American music then. Jazz, twist, rock and roll, everything coming there. They did not broadcast it from the official radio. The Kitchen Sisters first learned of Bone Music Records when they interviewed Sergei Khrushchev about the dissident activity taking place in people's tiny kitchens in the new Khrushchev apartments that his father had built in the 1960s. These private kitchens became the hot spots of the culture, the place to gather for the free expression of ideas. With the KGB lurking almost everywhere and nearly every phone line bugged, these individual kitchens made it possible for friends to gather privately and speak their minds. With vodka flowing and pickles and herring piled high on the tables, these dissident kitchens became unofficial lecture halls, nightclubs, art galleries, bars, dating services, the place where politics were debated, forbidden music was played, and underground art and literature circulated. It was amazing the lengths people went to to share uncensored culture and politics, the risks they took to see a forbidden painting, read a banned book, or listen to a song. Music on Bones is the legal production of records on exposed X-ray film. This is Xenia Vituleva. She's a visiting professor at Columbia in the Department of History and Theory of Architecture. And it was a dissident practice in the USSR, primarily during the Cold War. The first studio which produced records of ribs was a golden dog. Named in tribute to Nipper, RCA Victor's famous dog logo. Golden dog. The Golden Dog Gang. Ruslan Bogoslovsky, who was an engineer, got the idea to use old X-ray. 
Bulgoslavsky reverse engineered a record duplication machine that a friend of his had brought from the West and put it to work. Raw vinyl plastic and other durable materials to make records was basically non-existent. So Bulgoslavsky tried to use whatever was available to scratch out copies of the records that were smuggled in. Coated paper was the most common source material on which to print copies, but those records only lasted a few plays on a turntable. Bootlegs could only make a big impact in the black market if they were more durable and had higher fidelity. That's when he thought of using discarded x-rays. Taken from the hospital trash and medical archives in order to make a kind of phonographic recording, a copy of a Western vinyl record. But to talk only about the ingenuity of bone records doesn't really do them justice. They're ghostly, beautiful, haunting, transparent, and just ever so slightly creepy. X-ray plates thicker than the ones we grew up with. Ribs, feet, tarsals, metatarsals, femurs, tumors, kidneys, all with a slight etching of circles of sound scratched onto them. And you can see the rough edges of the craft, which reflects the level of hardship that was being overcome. These bone records came out of what Russians call total shortages of absolutely everything. That's Anya von Bremsen. She's a food and culture writer. So they, they would take an x-ray, they would cut it, trim it the shape of a record. I'm looking on the very rough made circles of x-ray. You see how <laughs> uneven the cut because it's made with scissors. And you can see St. Louis blues through the record. You can see the x-ray of skull. It's like from Hamlet, right? These records were cut with the manicure scissors. Then with a cigarette, they would burn the middle out so you could actually play it. These strange homemade creations were eventually put on the market, the black market, of course. It was shadow industry, like moonshining. It was pop culture moonshining. My brother, he got this X-ray record on the rip. Love Me Tender. It was his most precious thing in his life. This record was very, very expensive. You have to pay, like, weekly salary. Something like three bottles of vodka, maybe. And everything was divided on bottles of vodka. Everything. They were sold in underground cafes under the table. You can never uh, check what do you buy, right? Because it's in dark alley. They give you something and they promise that it is Elvis Presley, and, uh, but you don't know, right? And you can't complain because you never meet these people again. I remember the first one I heard was Chubby Checkers. That's Gregory Frieden, Professor Emeritus of Slavic Languages and Literature at Stanford. When I became a teenager myself, I used to go and shop for them. The black market was opposite the official Soviet records to a Melodia, right in the center of Moscow. There was a courtyard where there were young men in long overcoats. You would walk up to them and you ask them what they had and they would open the overcoat and would say that this is Chubby Checkers and this is Elvis Presley and this is Twist. They had the whole catalog, the whole display cases on the inside of the overcoat. It's pretty easy to look back on this practice and find it to be light, subversive fun. But this was serious business. 
there was an official music patrol initiated by the KGB to track the production of this anti-USSR activity. Punishments could be extreme. People making and buying bone records were always looking over their shoulders. In the 50s, the owners of this um, recording studio got arrested for spreading Western propaganda. Moscow, UPI. A Russian vice squad uncovered a clandestine record company recording Western-style music in a vast underground studio in Leningrad. The report said officials shut down the operation, which had pressed records on the Golden Dog label for big profits. You could get three to five years for illegally copying music. The X-ray innovator himself, Ruslan Bogoslavsky, was sentenced to five years prison in Siberia. But cracking down on the pirates copying the disc wasn't the only way the state was combating the scourge of bone records. They pirated the pirates. The Soviet government attempted to flood the market of bone records by creating unplayable records in an effort to kill the demand. They would either make records that would physically mess with players, or they would include vocal recording in the middle of the music, saying things like, you like rock and roll? you anti-Soviet slime. This is cheek to cheek. Shikak shike is Russian translation. You could easily identify them, you know, because there were no labels. So you say, okay, this is, you know, Aunt Rosa's lungs, and that means Elvis, and this is, you know, Dad's brain tumor, and that means Duke Ellington. These exposed X-rays became a new form of secret and precious information. Western hits recorded on the interiors of Soviet citizens. was a collaboration between the Kitchen Sisters and 99% Invisible. You can hear more about Bone Music and the X-Ray records that Jack White and Gibby Haynes made for Third Man Records on the Kitchen Sisters podcast. It's called Fugitive Waves. Subscribe today. The Kitchen Sisters are Nikki Silva and Davia Nelson, with help from Brandy Howell, Andrew Roth, and Nathan Dalton. 99% Invisible is Sam Greenspan, Katie Mingle, Avery Truffman, Kurt Colstead, and me, Roman Mars. We are a project of 91.7 KALW San Francisco and produced out of the offices of ArcSign, an architecture and interiors firm in beautiful downtown Oakland, California. 99% Invisible is supported by Slack, the only messaging app for teams. It brings all of your communication into one place, integrating with the tools and services that you use every day, including Dropbox, GitHub, Trello, MailChimp, Google Drive, Google Hangouts. It's the nexus point where all your communication comes together so threads don't get lost in some email chain somewhere. And it's really easy to adopt because it just makes sense. And when you do, it becomes indispensable for your workplace. Slack is free to use for as long as you want with as many users as you want. But they do have some paid plans with additional features and more powerful functionality. Anyone who visits slack.com slash 99 will get $100 in credits they can use whenever they decide to upgrade to any paid plan. But again, Slack is free to use if you just want to try it out. Go to slack.com slash 99. Support is also provided by Harvest. Harvest is made for creative people who do things. My boy Carver is always doing something. How'd you spend your year, Carver? I did many, many, many things, but 10% of it was Minecraft and 20% of it was Legos. So were any of those billable hours? No, they weren't.
Well, we'll work on that for next year. Okay. <laughs> Harvest is the modern way for creative freelancers and teams to track time spent across projects. You can track hours from the web or from mobile when you're on the go. At the end of the week, month, or the year, you'll know exactly where your precious time went. Learn more with a free trial at getharvest.com. And finally, the rocket fuel that made Radiotopia from PRX was provided by MailChimp. 99% Invisible is growing like crazy. We're completely redoing the website. We're going to do a bunch more print articles and reviews, and we're adding two more people, and we'll communicate all this stuff to our audience using MailChimp. It's a service that grows with you as your business grows. And now 99PI is going to need it more than ever. To find out how MailChimp can work for you, go to MailChimp.com and start sending better email. This is the final episode of 2015. We're going to take two full weeks off. So the next episode will be out on January 12th, 2016. I've never taken this much time off, but it's been five years and I really need like an actual week off. It's been an incredible year. The shows have been better than ever. I did a TED Talk. I've hosted great conferences around the country and I got to meet a bunch of you on the road. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm so excited for next year. We've got a lot of cool stuff planned. We're traveling all over for new stories. We'll have some new blood coming in, two new producers that you'll get to meet in January. It's going to be the best year of 99% Invisible ever. So thanks for your support. Take care.